Welcome to the Bear Essentials Podcast, where the talk is real and hibernating on your goals is not an option. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Charles Wallace. Today's guest is a British adventure athlete. He grew up in the south of England and early on was addicted to travel and adventure. Even though he tried to suppress these desires and pursue a traditional career path as a landscape architect in London, he soon left the confines of his office to get back in touch with his adventurous roots. He is currently the host of his own podcast, The Modern Adventurer, where he talks to other adventurers and explorers like himself who do incredible things around the world. I am pleased to introduce to you, John Horsfall. John, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it. How are you? Charles, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to be on and to talk to you about all things adventure today. Great, John. Would you mind giving a brief introduction of yourself to the audience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, at the moment, I'm based in London and I'd probably consider myself an adventure athlete uh, slash photographer. So before COVID, I was going around sort of traveling the world doing expeditions in different sort of areas from Central Asia, Africa, uh, the Middle East. And sort of what I was doing was trying to sort of go on the sort of back country, the back roads and explore stuff that was outside the sort of tourist route, stuff that you don't hear about and meet uh, the local people and really immerse myself into these uh, cultures and countries to really try and understand, to experience a completely new way of thinking and with that I you know I've traveled to some amazing places over the years and I'm delighted to sort of probably talk a bit more about it later on in the podcast. John that was the part that intrigued me about you when I saw your bio I, I do a lot of interviews on the show focused on mindset fitness things like that but I feel like they all come at it from a purely I'll call it fitness perspective, more traditional fitness perspective. So when I saw some of the things that you were doing, I really was excited to try to portray some of that adventure to people, especially the people who maybe not so much can be in a gym setting all the time, right? They like to get outdoors. And, and obviously, as you know, getting outdoors is so great for our health anyway. So I wanted to definitely talk about that and some of the amazing adventures that I've seen that you have done. Um, John, just to start out, were you like this growing up, right? Was this, was it the adventure in you? Was it something that was, you know, you always knew as a child growing up as a teenager, or is it something that you really discovered later on in life? I think it's probably a mixture of both. I've, I've always been sporty. I absolutely love sport. I don't know about your audience, but I'm a huge sort of uh, soccer slash football fan. I played it, tennis, uh, cricket, which is a bit more niche towards the British uh, audience. But um, and so I just anything with a ball and running around and, you know, playing in the woods, whatever it is, I just love doing that. And when it sort of came to travel and adventure, I suppose growing up, I, I was lucky as my father lived abroad. So I could, I sort of went out and that sort of became sort of normal to me. So travel was sort of more of a normality to me than not. And I'd love to say that I've always, you know, been a super adventurous person, but looking back, I don't think I was. Um, I, I, I sort of feel like I slightly 
I slightly enjoyed comfort, uh, especially sort of maybe through my university. And it's actually only when I left that I started to really enjoy discomfort and sort of pushing oneself just that little bit further. And it's interesting, Charles, you sort of talk about mindset and doing that. It's incredibly difficult to change behavior, especially if you are in the sort of day-to-day routine. And what I was doing wasn't exactly a normal let's say, career path. And so with that, you know, you sort of, when you speak to people about this, maybe your close circle, they find it sort of slightly extraordinary. And so you're not exactly encouraged to do this. So to sort of break out of that, to go and do something actually takes, I think, uh, quite a bit of effort to sort of change the narrative of your thinking. John, that's a fantastic point. I'm really glad you touched on comfort in the very beginning here. I was just speaking about comfort zone the other day and how don't be a prisoner of your own comfort zone, right? And how it just, in order to grow, you need to get outside of your comfort zone. And you also mentioned about your, like the close circle. I think that's so important too. And I think, I think people in general tend to, mimic the people that they are close to the people they surround themselves with so ultimately when i see someone like you and then i hear also that you say you haven't always been like that to me that's somewhat comforting because i think it gives hope to people that are listening right because for myself i'm 50 years old and i sit back now and i go you know what it's not too late to change like we can start to move forward and do other things so now we talked about comfort zone John, one thing that jumped out at me that I had to ask you about was you ran 27 marathons in one month, I believe, across Kenya. Is that right? What what the hell was that like? And what can you talk about your mindset before that, during it, after it? Well, it's really interesting because, yeah, that out of all my trips, that's the one where my mindset was probably at my most extreme in a sense of I was working a very normal, you know, nine to five in an architecture firm and I wasn't loving it. I, I enjoyed the work, but I didn't love what I did. And I felt like I had to be passionate about what I did. And when I sort of came to this, I was slowly starting to get into running. Like I, I sort of felt like I should probably learn to love running, which I wasn't that, that fond of. And so I felt that maybe naively people in your audience might be like, oh, what? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But the idea was in order to do it, I needed to sort of really go to the extreme. And at the time I my sister was going out to on holiday there. And so she was like, do you want to come on holiday? And I was like, actually, that's quite a good idea. I might. And, and at the time also, I was looking at maybe doing the Marathon de Sabla, which is a seven day marathon across the desert. And actually the idea of running across the country was far more interesting and slightly cheaper um, than the Marathon de Sabla. And so I sort of, Without, I've, I had been before, but I'd never been like to explore the country. It's like, you know, you go into New York and saying that you've been to America. I mean, there's so much more of the country to explore it. It's sort of the same thing. And so 
in order to sort of do that, not being a marathon runner, not um, knowing the country that well, I sort of booked the ticket and said I was going to do it and then quit my job. I say quit my job. I, I, I got another job and then told them that I was doing it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, you go and then come back after. Um, and so with that, I sort of, by booking the ticket, it's a very good motivation to actually do it. You know, it's, a, it's very easy to say, oh, I'm going to go and do this big trip, but to actually book it, say you're going to go and do it and then do it. It's a whole new ball game. And with that, I suppose my mindset was a hundred percent like focused on no matter what happens, you know, I will complete this, whether I have to walk, run, crawl or whatever, whatever happens, I will go from A to B and whatever happens in the middle, I won't. And what actually happened was, you know, the first day I started on a marathon, uh, started my first marathon that I ever done on a mountain at an altitude of to 3000 meters above sea level and being training in London, which is at sea level, it was quite, quite difficult in a sense of, you know, running what should take three or four hours ended up taking about five or six and with a little break in between here and there, but getting up every day, you sort of get into the swing of things and, you know, the people I met and, everything that went with it was just so exciting and like everything was new everything was a new experience and I for your listeners running day after day oh and another thing was you know when you plan this journey you're looking on google maps and you're like looking at different places to stop for like a snack or something because I'm doing this solo and self-supported it's only me on my own with a backpack and I sort of looked at little villages, which I might be able to stop. And then once I got to these villages, they were nothing but little huts with only bananas and avocados. So for lunch, sometimes running from morning till night, I would just be eating a banana and avocado. So my but I was losing quite a lot of body weight uh, very rapidly at the beginning. But also with it, I sort of got into the sort of swing of things and people would you know say I'd stay with uh would then sort of pull me off to the next person 26 miles down the road and this whole sort of process just sort of opened my eyes up uh to just a whole new way of experiencing it and what I wanted to show was just the amazing beauty the amazing people of Kenya um because over the last few years it's been like uh, few issues with like elections and tribal issues and so I wanted to show the country in a really positive light which was and you know it's just full of these incredible people and scenery and so with it um, you know running day after day having never run a marathon your body does start to break down um, I got shin splints on both legs and then on day 13, I was running, I was staying with um, some friends of friends of friends, you know, someone who knew someone. And they took me to their favorite restaurant, which was a Naya Choma, as they call it. It's a, basically a barbecued shack. And unfortunately, um, 
the West set my sensitive stomach uh, was very much not used to the sort of meats, the goats uh, that are cooked on the barbecue and I got really bad food poisoning. But again, I wanted to complete this journey within a month or so. And with that, I sort of kept sort of pushing. And so my mindset was very much whatever happens, I just need to keep moving. And, you know, you you'd probably tell me now if I wanted to go for a run 10 kilometers down the road, I'd probably try and make a million excuses. But for me, I was just like, no, no, this is what I have to do. And it, it sort of took it to a slight extreme because you're sort of with shin splints, with food poisoning, my mindset was just always to just put one step forward. And as long as I could do that, I could just keep moving forward. And as I say, I mean, I could, I could carry on speaking for hours about this, but I'm sure you probably want to jump in with something. No, I, John, honestly, listening to that, I, and then I want to bring up a name over here in the United States. Have you, are you familiar with David Goggins? Yes. David Goggins. It's I, it's similar, not similar, but it's similar, but different. But as you start to talk about just that extreme, right. Just saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Kenya and run across the country. You know, it reminded me of that. And it's, you mentioned some things that's similar to when I hear him talk about some of his first like ultra marathons and things like that. The shin splints were huge. He talked about that. Uh, I can only imagine though when you had food poisoning on top of it, I mean, John, I want to ask you bluntly, were there times at some point where you were just like, no, I'm, I'm done. I, I can't do any more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, there was a time. So um, basically the capital of Kenya is Nairobi. And it was about halfway between the Ugandan border where I was going from and the Kenyan coast. So it's about sort of day 15, day 16 and about, you know, about sort of 30, 40 miles from Nairobi, I, I had shin splints in my legs. I had food poisoning. So I was still running with without eating. And so I was losing a humongous amount of weight. And uh, for your audience, you probably can't see me. I'm not exactly a big guy. I'm quite skinny and whatnot. And uh, so with that, you know, I just fell into sort of really dark times just before it because I... I don't know I, I always get quite sort of down when you don't eat and that was what's happening I wasn't getting enough calories in and so there was it was a really sort of dark time and for a lot of it I just didn't think you know I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel and you you know you're sort of lying I remember sitting under a tree sweating buckets it's absolutely boiling we're at still at quite a bit of an altitude and then I was sort of just thinking, you know, why, why am I doing this? And the reason being was I was doing it for a charity out there and a children's orphanage and, and also for other reasons. And, and so by doing that, you know, my problems just seemed completely small and insignificant compared to others. And so, you know, I just sort of thought, well, if I can't run, to the capital I'll just walk and we'll get there and I just remember I finally got there and beforehand I had been staying with a friend um, who had sort of put me up and his flatmate opened the door and didn't even recognize me even though she had met me two weeks earlier 
uh, because I'd lost so much weight, I probably had a bit more stubble than I do now. So I remember that night I, I had some food and after a massive meal, I suddenly just completely re-energized and was like, right, I'm, tomorrow I'll just get up and run across the capital without even like thinking about it. I was just like, oh yeah, tomorrow I'll just get up and then come back and whatnot. And what was actually really interesting, and this is the sort of things that could happen when you sort of do this, it's because, you know, none of this was planned. It was more like, you know, when you put a Google from A to B, whether you're going from like Philadelphia to New York or, you know, San Francisco to New York, it just does a route and that says that's the route you should take and you're like okay I'll take that route and that's basically the route I was taking and what actually happened which was really interesting was the ex-vice president of Kenya had got wind of my story on a plane so he'd sort of heard about it managed to get my number so this is probably the equivalent of I, I think maybe like Al Gore in America uh, getting wind of my story and saying, oh, well, do you want to come and, you know, meet me? And uh, I was like, yeah, of course. I had no idea who he was. Um, and so the next day after that, I sort of rested up uh, in Nairobi and went to go and meet him. And so I went, still in my running gear, I, I'd sort of spoken to people about this and they were like, oh, no, you need to wear a suit. He's very formal and you need to call him your excellency and everything. And I didn't have a suit because all I had was one t-shirt to run in one pair of shorts and a pair of trainers and some my wash bag in the back and maybe a little jumper or something so I didn't have anything and so I turned up at his um his office waiting for him everyone's there in suit and tie I'm there in my running gear about to go and do another marathon or whatnot and anyway, he sort of invites me in, gives me a shake on the hand, and then suddenly goes, oh, we'll go and meet the media. And I'm like, I was sort of expecting a, you know, a schoolboy doing a newspaper report for his school, being like, oh, you know, this, this guy's running across the country. But no, it was like full-blown press conference. We're at the front. He's sitting there. All the cameras are there live on, you know, Channel One, BBC, not BBC, uh, whatever the African or Kenyan equivalent was. And then I just thought, okay, well, I'm just going to stand here. He's probably going to introduce me. And he just suddenly goes, oh, John, why don't you just tell them what you're doing? And I, I wasn't prepared or anything. I gave some sort of speech about what I was doing, but slightly underprepared, let's say. And then when he went on and talked about politics and whatnot. But it was just this one sort of, uh, what do you call it? this one image or this what you know these little moments that happened along the way that you always remember and you know no that would have never have happened you wouldn't have got the chance to meet let's say the vice president or the ex-vice president you know if you weren't prepared to sort of go out and try something new yeah i would say and john listening to you talk about that and some of the uh some of just the food poisoning, all, all of what you talk about, I was, as I'm listening, I was sitting here going, wow, John just totally blows away my little, uh, I love to do my hardest workout on Mondays. My cardio workout is on Mondays, right? I do a little game with my mind, like 
to make the hardest workout Monday. It's I got to get out of bed. It's Monday morning. <laughs> now I listen to yours. I'm like, yeah, I got to rethink this Monday thing. I might be under undershooting it a little bit here. Um, but no, that's I just it's amazing to me. And sometimes you hear about people who maybe there's not maybe they're not doing that much and they need to be pushed in another direction and do something right. But to me, sounds like you left behind. It was you know, it was some definitely a comfort zone, right? Good job. You leave it to go do this. But I look at you now and hear you talk and obviously you're the better, you're the better for it. So you did the Kenya. We were talking a little bit before we started. And obviously I would love to hear a little bit about this. And I'm sure the audience would too. So you do the marathons, you run. So at one point you also, you, you biked across, you know, the United States uh, what was the reason behind that? Was that another, like, the hell with it? I'm going to now bike across the United States, or was there more behind it? Well, the United States was probably my first. Actually, it probably is what influenced quite a lot of what I do now was I, I'd never been to the United States. And after finishing university, I, I sort of was walking down, I remember, for your audience. I went to Edinburgh, and I was walking down sort of the city it's quite hilly and I just remember having this idea in my head of cycling across America and originally it was like this sort of u-shape but you know I'd never cycled more than 20 miles in my life in a day um, never been to America so for me it was like well what, why is this idea coming in my head and rather than sort of just shun it away it sort of grew on me and of course you know when you have an idea like that, people sort of like, well, that's a silly idea. And, you know, you've just finished university. You need to go and get a job and do this. Um, and so I decided to get a job and then uh, get enough money six months later to go and do it. And so the idea was, again, you know, I just said, well, I want to go to New York and I want to go to San Francisco. And let's just travel across the country by bike and see what happens and again you know I didn't take a bike map or anything so some of the places I ended up were completely off the trail let's say and you know people at bars would just be like what why are you here you know I was dressed in complete lycra and everything and but again this is probably what influenced a lot of what I was doing before I went to America some people would be like, oh, you know, it's so dangerous in America. You know, Philadelphia is terrifying. Um, someone got shot two years ago or something. And you'd be like, oh, God, that sounds terrifying. Um, but actually, once I arrived and once I got going, I suddenly was just like completely blown away by the sort of hospitality and the kindness of the people of America. It was uh, to give you an example, I mean, it was like, let's give you a run through of the first day. So the first day was from New York to Princeton University, uh, which is about, I think, 70 miles. And with that, you know, I had four panniers and everything on it. And I remember it'd been a long day. I'd never cycled more than 20 miles. And first day I just did 70 and I was quite exhausted, got into Princeton. I'd just finished university. So I was like, Oh, Princeton university. It might be really fun. It might be, you know, something going on. 
realized it's the middle of the summer i'm doing this in july june july so everyone's gone and anyway i turn up in a sort of pizzeria there and one of the, one of the funny things was like i did my research so i was like what's the average temperature what's um you know if you need to stay at someone's house how do you go about it and they was like well you just go and knock on their door and say you know can i camp on your lawn or something and they can always say no they can always say yes but see what happens anyway i'm in a pizzeria a cop walks in and i'm like oh this is what i've been told you need to go and speak to a cop and ask him and so i speak to the cop and go hi i'm just um down here for the night i was wondering if there's a place you might find where i could go and camp he's like oh no not around here and i was like oh um well do you think i do you know anyone and he's like no there's only the hotel which is 300 bucks and you know if you're traveling for months, you're, you're on a sort of shoestring budget. Right. And, and at that exact point, the waiter behind goes, oh, I might be able to help you out. I might be able to give you a place to stay. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. But also at the same time, I was like, well, he might get off at like 12 and this is seven o'clock. So I'll be waiting around for five hours. But he was like, no, I get off in an hour. I was like, okay, that's brilliant. So I wait I, he's like, this is my address. I'm going, I'm driving there. You can just cycle down. It's just down the road. So I cycled down. His family are there. They're like, hi, John, we've heard all about you. Um, you know, we've got a bed for you here. And I'm like, you know, here's some supper. I oh, sorry, dinner. Um, and so they, they welcomed me in. They gave me food. They gave me a place to stay. And then the next day they're like, well, if you're going up to St. Louis and this, we've got friends here. So I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is my introduction to America. And then the next day I cycle from Princeton towards Philadelphia and it's getting late. Um, I'm absolutely exhausted. I go over a bridge, almost crash into someone. And he's like, whoa, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm looking for Motel 9 or something. And he's like, you mean Motel 6? And uh, I was like, yeah, sorry. And he's like, oh, well, um, it's just down the road, but my girlfriend's out of town. You know, you're more than welcome to come and stay with me. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, this does not happen. And again, it was just, it was just repetitive. It was in a sense of just all the time. And then, you know, you're at a cafe and people are like, again, I'm wearing Lycra. So I stick out like a sore thumb. Um, my accent's probably slightly different to the American people. And so, you know, they chat to me and then they get up and they leave. And then I ask the waitress for the bill and she goes, don't worry, it's taken care of by that couple. And I'm like, why would they pick up my bill? Why would they do this? And it just left an incredible, um, incredible gratitude um, for it. And that is really what makes, you know, travel and adventure so incredible is sometimes you break down these preconceptions or these ideas that you had and it just opens your mind up to a whole new world. And John, if I could just jump in for a second, I want to just say too, for my audience, a lot of my audience is probably very close Philadelphia area, things like that. And I, and I will say this, I'm really, it's a great time for this interview for me, because I'm going to be honest lately, especially like, as you probably can understand right now, media coverage is so much about like in the Philadelphia area, it's literally 
we just hear every bad thing that's happened next, right? And I feel like it starts to, I, I try not to even watch anymore, right? Because for me, I just feel like it drags us down. So having you today and some positivity and hearing some of this amazing, you know, stories about the generosity of people from around this area, it, it somewhat restores my confidence a little bit in, in my country, so to speak. So thank you for that. I really, I really appreciate it hearing that. Um, and so you mentioned New York and Philadelphia, but you also mentioned how you ended up off the beaten trail, so to speak. So for me being in the United States, my route, I would assume I'm New York, maybe through Philadelphia, I go across maybe out, you know, Ohio, Chicago, that way ending up somewhat eventually in California sounds to me like you didn't take the most direct route maybe and you ended up in some off the beaten path places so maybe just a little bit about one of those places I would like to hear and the audience would probably like to hear also so the sort of traditional cycle across America bike route goes through sort of the middle America in terms of Kansas um I didn't do it so I don't really know but maybe St. Louis. Um, but I sort of, what, what was happening was at the time, it was unbelievably hot. I think this is, this was in 2012 and not quite the Dust Bowl era, but you know, there's a lot of corn and wheat that looks like it's about to die. Um, and it's just absolutely roasting. And so you, I'm sort of cycling in 100 degree Fahrenheit every day. And it's just slightly bringing me down and so my thinking was go north and it will be cooler so I sort of headed up towards Chicago and again so another story about it was um, I was cycling in Pennsylvania up to a place called Frostburg which actually I think might be in Maryland and as I'm cycling up to the very top, it's getting quite cool. It's getting late in the evening. And I, I saw an inn that I could potentially camp or stay in. And as I'm cycling up, I there's this guy uh, with sort of white slick back hair. And he's on the balcony having a cigar. And as I get to the top, I sort of ask him, I'm like, uh, excuse me, um, do you know where the reception is for uh, the inn? And he goes, <laughs> I know an accent when I hear it. Are you from <laughs> Texas? <laughs> and uh, anyway, in my slightly uh, British way, I was like, I, I know, no, I'm actually from uh, Britain. He's like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you. I know you're from Britain. I, I was there the other day or something. And anyway, we get chatting, we have a bit of uh, banter back and forth. And then he's like, well, I live in Chicago in this really cool area. And, um, you know, if you ever head up that way, come stay. And this is in Pennsylvania or Maryland, Frostburg. And I'm like, well, I'm going St. Louis way, so probably won't, but thank you so much. I'll take your, you know, um, I took down a sort of piece of paper with his name and a number. And so then it got very, very hot. And so I kept going north and I thought, okay, well, I'll go to Chicago. And so I stayed with him for two days, um, had an amazing time. He showed me amazing parts of Chicago and then I went on and when I say I sort of got off the beaten track was after Illinois I went down to a place called like Juliet in Chicago and I was just on like some you know 
normal bike trail, which is completely like, you know, it just goes from one town to the other. Anyway, I was like, do I camp here? Do I not? I'm just going to go and get some, get some food. And so I went into this town, I think it was called Juliet or Juliet. And anyway, I, I sort of stopped and I had, I think it was deep fried fried catfish, which for anyone who loves it, I, I fair play, but it's not to my, uh, I remember it not being too nice. And anyway, as I come out, there was about, there was a group of about sort of six, uh, 40, 45 year old couples, quite pissed. They come out and they see me. And of course, again, I stick out like a sore thumb. I've got a bike with four panniers. I'm tall, I'm like six foot three. And I'm, and I'm wearing Lycra. And so they're like, oh my God, who is this guy? Who's this guy? And so they sort of pounce on me and have a quick chat. And again, they're slightly tipsy. And they're like, well, come in and have a drink with us. So I then go into this wine bar. I'm sort of chatting away. And they're like, where are you staying tonight? I was like, well, I'm going to just go and camp on the, uh, on the pathway somewhere. They're like, oh my God, no, no, no. You've got to come back. And they say, I went back, stayed with them for the night. And again, this sort of happened from time to time. And what it is, is I was just going through these towns, which they never see bikers. They're always like, oh, we saw a biker like you about six years ago because it's not the route it's and with that just the most enormous amount of generosity and kindness comes from it from people just along the route who just sort of kept me moving kept me inspired to just keep going again and again even when you're cycling in 107 seven degrees heat through the midwest <laughs> it's um it, it, i could listen all day to the stories i it Again, it gives me hope and it gives me more motivation to want to, you know, continue on my own journey through fitness and to maybe liven it up even a little bit with some more, you know, outdoorsy types of things. Um, I want to ask, so for my audience, I like to ask people this. I do have a lot of people that probably that listen that may not be in the best of shape currently. And I try to get my guests to maybe, if you could, you know, anything you would say to anyone that's trying to get started, just anything to maybe give someone a little motivation who may not be feeling their best at this point. I, th I think it's very important uh, to sometimes do what I do, but I realize, you know, that sort of can be completely unnecessary and sometimes quite extreme. I always think the best thing to do is to break out of routine in a sense of if you're getting up every day and you're struggling to find time to do this or, you know, just set aside um, an hour or something a week, um, just break the mold. You know, if you're, I don't know, having hot showers, have a cold shower, just break something that gets you out of a routine, which you are not enjoying. And you know, adventure is, it's such a broad word. Adventure means something different to everyone. And if you want to go on these sort of adventures, whether you live in the middle of the city, you know, just make time. An adventure can be, is, I don't know, picking, getting a whole load of numbers from one to 20, and then going and taking one out and then going to stand on that platform at your train station and the next train 
you go two miles out wherever it is and you just go and explore that region it doesn't have to be another country it doesn't have you know covid sort of taught me a lot about you know just exploring your own um you know, I did a paddleboarding trip from source to sea of our longest river. I'd never really paddleboarded, and but it's just that idea of just breaking something. And so, challenge yourself to do something different. I would probably say is the best thing you can do. Actually, it's very simplistic, John. Honestly, but it's so true. And it actually, even for me, you mentioned a couple things there. Even about, I I'm guilty of it. I. I'm happy right now with what I'm doing, as long, especially with my fitness, things like that. But listening to you speak, it it encourages me to want to try to do more. And listening to you about biking across the country, even my own country, my own city, my own state, I know there's more to do. So I, I will recommend anybody listening. I, I 100% agree with what John said. Really just try to break the routine. Something a little different could, you know, that little thing to break the routine can lead to a lot of bigger things and challenges that you'll end up enjoying. So John, I wanted to give you a couple minutes here at the end, just to uh, let people know, I, I'm going to just preface this. I was on John's website and looking at some of his social media last night. Um, I highly suggest it. There's a lot of really cool pictures and I, I'll, I'll even go as far as to say breathtaking pictures. It's very amazing stuff. So John, maybe let people know where they could take a look at some of that stuff and uh, get listen to you more and some of your interviews with uh, fellow adventurers on your podcast. Yeah, um, well, I'm on Instagram at John Horsfall, J O H N H O R S F A L L, and also my website is zebaadventures.com, which is Z I B A Adventures. Um, it was sort of taken from a the Persian word for beautiful. So the idea was beautiful adventures around the world. And so with that, I sort of run a podcast called the Modern Adventurer podcast. And it talks to adventurers sort of like me who do extraordinary stuff, you know, polar explorers, Everest climbers, world record holders. And uh, so we've had, you know, amazing people up and down um length of the world uh just coming on the podcast to talk about why why they do what they do and it's very interesting to sort of get into the psyche of why people do do these sort of trips uh so those are probably the best they also have a youtube channel and um yeah always always happy to chat and always happy um to hear from people so follow me on instagram or come and see me on my website yeah, John, I, and again, I can't recommend it enough. And just especially I myself, I'm going to listen to, I listened to one episode of your podcast and I'm definitely going to listen to more. Um, I'd like to end for my audience with this, uh, listening to those types of podcasts about people and what they're doing. Trust me, you will get motivation from it. And it may be the additional motivation or that spark that you need to do the things that you need to do. So please, Check out John's social media. Check out his podcast. John, thank you again so much. Really appreciate it. And um, if you ever get back to America, uh, I think we have to. Uh, I'm asking you. I want to be the. I want to be the one to follow you around and document it for my podcast. So let me know, okay? 
Oh, well, that'd be absolutely awesome, Charles. I'd I'd love. I I'm sort of trying to think of a way of trying to get back. Um, you know, it's it's. I suddenly realised a couple of weeks ago it's been nearly ten years since I was last in America. So I'm always looking for ways to try and get back to it. Well, John, that would be great. And who knows, everyone, stay tuned. We might have uh, you know, following John around the country, seeing uh, seeing some of his adventures. So, all right, everyone. Well, thank you again. Have a great day and. Uh, Get out there. Have your own adventures. Take care. Bye. This has been the Bear Essentials. Thanks for listening. And remember, never hibernate on your goals.